0: Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah yeah. Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move, maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer. put you rookies on a skewer I say shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used yeah. to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer yeah. What you saying to me, I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast, I'm your host Will I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaron.
1: What is up, guys? Good day. We
0: are going to be beating into the Mavericks, 117-112 to 112 victory over the Portland Trailblazers. The Mavericks in this game, another clutch game for the Mavericks. Luka Doncic with possibly the most casual 40-point triple-double you'll ever see. Spencer Dinwiddie, three clutch threes within the last few minutes there. I think the consensus... For most Mass fans coming out of this game, by no means are the Mavericks holes, you know, particularly that they had in those two previous stinkers versus Orlando in Washington filled by any means. But it was definitely a step in the right direction for the Mavericks. And I think we saw a lot of positives in this game, definitely more positives than negatives.
1: Um, Darren, do you have any other quick thoughts before we go ahead and go to the ad break? Yeah, no, I mean, we saw multiple times in that game where it kind of seemed like the Mavericks were Going up, they are trending in the right direction in that game, and then Portland was fighting back. I think it's just typical stuff of what we've seen from the Mavericks. But it was overall a good takeaway. Uh And, again, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I, I said the Mavericks would win by five points before the game started. And look what the score was. So, yes, Jaron
0: texted, texted me that right before the game and it ended up
1: coming into <laughs> fruition. I actually uh, I'm LeBron James. I so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, anyways, we'll be getting into everything to do with this game and looking ahead to the – Mavericks game on Tuesday, where they play the Clippers um, at the very end. But you know, typically, mostly we're just going to be covering uh, this Portland game. Of course, there's a lot of good things to take away. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right. So coming out of the gates, the Blazers start the game seven to zero. You know, they had a Damien Lillard three, some Jeremy Grant buckets mixed right in there. So I think the Mavericks took a timeout like shortly after that, and then they started to get. just some general flow to their offense. They started to knock down some shots. What did you take away from that first quarter?
1: Yeah, no, uh, like you had just mentioned, you know, the Blazers got off to a pretty hot start to begin it. And then it kind of seemed like Spencer was hitting shots. Uh, Really, honestly, uh, it was like Spencer and Luca really kind of going at it. And then the Mavericks jumped up to, I think it was 11 to seven at one point or nine to seven. But yeah, I mean, it kind of seemed like the Mavericks quickly picked up. Uh, the pace of the game and they finally decided to actually play some basketball after that really hot start. I know Drew Eubanks started out the game. I think he had like four quick buckets. Uh, and that's what kind of led to their seven nothing run in that first minute and a half or whatever it was. Uh but really in the first quarter what kind of stuck out to me, I know that we haven't seen Drew Eubanks a while. only
0: had he only he only scored once but he oh, was, it was the first back. okay was he, first he, did, he was he was getting a lot of rebounds. I will say that. yeah yeah
1: yeah. Um yeah anyways uh, like the, the one thing that really did stick out to me was uh kind of the connection between Luca and Christian Wood. I feel like we haven't seen this a whole lot this season and to kind of see it in such an early fashion. Uh, And I, I think the Mavericks knew this was a big game, you know, coming off of a, a really, really bad loss where guys seemed like they were pretty heated after that, uh after that wizards game, you know, I think to come out of the gates, come into this game, you know, you're on their home court. Like you have to, really really play good basketball uh and it seems like the Mavericks really did that in the first quarter it it, all due to Christian Wood and Luka Doncic I know uh Spencer hit a few I think he hit uh, a three-pointer and I feel like that was maybe it for his first quarter um but yeah like one thing that just really did stick out to me was we finally got to see a little glimpse of Christian Wood and Luka Doncic whether it was pick and roll or Christian Wood making really good cuts uh Luke was able to find them and that's kind of what led to that Forty-two point triple double, as you mentioned in the intro. Yeah, the Blazers were playing a lot of zone
0: defense, especially in that first quarter. Um, they were one of the highest zone usage teams in the NBA, and once they started trapping Luca a little, he would just bullet pass it to the middle of the floor. Christian Wood would just go up for an easy dunk. I mean, I think there were four or five possessions within that first quarter where Christian Wood and Luca just looked unstoppable. Particularly when Drew Eubanks came out of the game, because uh, the Blazers effectively had no interior defense outside of that you know obviously the Blazers are a much improved defensive team this year with the amount of wings they have but they have no rim protector you know barring whatever Nurkic gives you right when he's healthy and he didn't play in this game so the Mavericks were really able to eat at that and I thought another interesting thing was the way that Luca was getting his points not just in that first half but throughout the game but particularly in that first half we saw him have a lot of post-ups on um where he used the baseline basically as a shield to get to the basket. And the Blazers didn't bring any help because of their defensive scheme. Um, Just like the zone defense they were playing, they had another guy um, from the weak side. Then he was way too far over to effectively get to Luka once he made that spin move. So I I think Luka had like three or four baskets just off like spin moves in the post, um, getting to the rim, made some and ones. He was getting clocked in this game, but he, he was finishing through contact, which is great to see after the last two games. I thought that those were really good positives from the first quarter. You could tell from the get-go, um, Spencer he went six for eight from three in this game. All of his field goals were threes except for one. And even in that first quarter, he's been just shooting really well this season, whether it be just off step-back threes or spot-up threes. I mean, I, obviously he's getting, I think, a lot more catch-and-shoot opportunities than he has in his career – playing with Luka Doncic on a consistent basis, you know, especially when they share the floor together, but to see how he started the year from three has been a revelation, to say the least, because I think a lot of us had doubts as to if his shooting could persist from last year, and he sh- stroked it pretty good in the first quarter. Um, you know, barring that, uh, the Mavericks came out of the first quarter. Um, let's see, I don't have it exactly pulled up here, but I think, you know, it was relatively tight throughout the first half. I think the Blazers went – I think the Mavericks went into a lead at halftime by two, I believe it was 59-57. to Um, So, I guess once we get to the non Luca minutes starting in the second quarter, what did you take away from those minutes uh, in terms of, like, how do you think Tim Hardaway, Josh Green, Maxi Kleber fared in those minutes?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the whole bench in itself was – I, I know you know there's takeaways that you can take from this, but the whole bench in the plus minus category was all plus. Uh, Tim Hardaway with a plus 23 and Christian Wood with a plus 14. Uh, I know Christian Wood started out that first half on fire. I believe he may have had in the minutes that he had played, he had like 10 points in his first like six minutes of play or something like that. Um, but I know in that first half, you know, Christian Wood really really got off to a hot start. Uh, you know, judging by Tim Hardaway six of thirteen shooting, uh, you know it seemed like he had gotten off to a hot start. Taken away, I didn't really get to see a whole lot of the first half, or I guess the the second quarter really. Um, but yeah, you know, bearing that, you know, Maxi Kleber o- offensively, it doesn't really look like he had too much of an impact. He went two of five from the field, and same with Josh Green. I know Josh Green, uh, I feel like he had like a drive or a cut where uh, it it may have been Luca who found him or Spencer Dinwiddie, um where I, I feel like he got like a tough layup or something like that. Uh, and that was kind of one of his points. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Josh Green. Yeah, it got um, to the lane where he got fouled and then he made a free throw. That was in the second. Yeah, course. okay, yeah. So, okay, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, I, I don't know. Like one thing that really, you know, the the Blazers, like you said, you know, they played a zone defense. They played the most zone defense in the league. Uh, One thing I feel like the Mavs really exploited uh, offensively was – the cutting maneuver you know it was either Christian Wood who's cutting he got a really nice and one off of what you just mentioned where Luca was kind of going to that baseline uh and Christian Wood kind of cuts off I guess back door and uh it was a nice and one and then same with uh Josh Green you know finding these little pockets I guess in the defense like that's one thing that the Mavericks really exploited uh and that's honestly like offensively what I really saw um at least through that first quarter
0: no, 100%, especially in the Wizards game where we saw the Mavericks have to go against that Wizards zone at times. You know, the Wizards um, definitely don't have a lot of wing defenders, so they were forced to go into a zone quite a bit, especially within that second half against the Mavericks. And the Mavericks effectively had no counter. It was just a lot of Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie iso ball, swinging the ball around the perimeter for uh, threes, and they didn't drop, and the Mavericks effectively lost the game. But you see in this one, The Mavericks had a lot more of an ebb and flow to their offense in this one. There was a lot more different varieties in terms of the things that they did. We saw, you know, Josh Green cut from the weak side wing where Luka was able to find him in the middle of the lane. We saw, you know, I think two plays that really stuck out to me in this game, um, especially for a guy that's had a really rough start to the season in terms of his shooting uh, was Maxi Kleber because he had, one cut from the weak side wing at the end of the third quarter that led to a two hand dunk. That was really nice. And he also, when the Blazers were playing smaller out there and Eubanks wasn't out there, we saw a Maxi Seal right under the basket for an easy layup. Mixing in little intricacies like that within the offense is something that Jason Kidd is going to have to do given the personnel of this Mavericks team. You know, when you have a lack of a, another creator, you know, you don't have Brunson to, there to fill that void. Sometimes the offense can get very stale when it's just one of Luca or Dinwiddie on the court. And, you, you know, the Mavericks have to be able to find some counters and just have, you know, good general ball movement, run some offensive sets. I think that the Mavericks took a step in the right direction in terms of str- uh, straying off from some of the heavy isolation possessions that we've seen from them these last few games.
1: Yeah, no, without a doubt. It, it shows on the scoreboard. I think this was the first Mavericks, game where they had over 100 points in uh, two games like the you know it it shows and just the way this team performs uh you know one thing that kind of is promising for me like I know there's really not been a whole lot of I guess positive takeaways to start the season um but you know you had mentioned that Washington kind of switched over to that zone defense late in that or not late but in that second half and it kind of seemed like the Mavericks were lost you know and that that was really why It was such a low, productive second half, I think, in that game. Um, The Mavericks seemingly kind of bounced back. You know, Portland, again, I mean, like they had a really high usage rate in terms of uh, zone defense. And it seemed like the Mavericks really picked that apart. They either learned from their mistakes or uh, – I don't know what it was, you know, but it seemed like they had bounced back seemingly from that really awful loss against Washington.
0: No, most definitely. Um, I want to get to the Portland side of things here. What did you think in terms of the Mavericks inability to stop Jeremy Grant in this game? You know, obviously he had a really hot shooting night, went five for nine from three, but he was able to get by the likes of Dorian or Reggie, you know, almost instantaneously on these kind of like single dribble moves. And I can understand Damian Lillard, you know, especially with the way that the Mavericks had to play stylistically, when they had one of Christian Woodard, White Pal up there, um, you have to drop one of those bigs um, because, you know, you obviously don't want them on an the Island when Simons or Lillard's coming off of a screen. So that's a really tough guard for the Mavericks. Sometimes you kind of just have to live and die. And luckily Dame didn't have a wildly insane shooting game. Yeah. Anthony Simons went five for 11 from three. So he definitely hurt the Mavericks and stretches. I thought he had a pretty good game and he was definitely abusing that pick and roll in terms of coming off shooting mid range jump shots at the elbow or just pulling up from three. Um, but what do you think the Mavericks, you know, have to do better in terms of their ability? Like I guess really just the bang bros uh, Dorian and Reggie in terms of their ability to kind of anchor down and not get beat on these sig- single dribble moves as much.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it's safe to say like defensively for like the two, Coming into the season, I think these were the two guys as like locks that were like, you know, these guys are going to be defensive anchors on this team. And really, to be honest, like they've had such, honestly, a rocky start to the season defensively. You know, we've seen glimpses of both Reggie and Dorian where they've had really good games and where they've had terrible games. Uh, I wouldn't quite call this one terrible. Uh, I mean, again, like Jeremy Grant did score 37 points and Damian Lillard had 29. Again, you know, to your point, Damian Lillard, like he's going to do his thing. Uh, we got lucky on a few times. Um, just with Damian Lillard misses, and we're not accustomed to seeing seeing that as Mavericks fans, as we know, we have a lot oh, of bad yeah, luck. Exactly. Um, but you know, it, it kind of seemed like there was always a problem up until like really last year. There was always a problem where there was one guy, um, not necessarily the star guy, uh, but there was always one guy whether it was a bench player or just a role player uh, that it would always like torch the Mavericks. And I feel like that that problem has really come about this season. Um, and I hate to say it, but due to the likes of Dorian and Reggie, um, whether it's just lack of communication, uh, and I don't even know if it's that, it's just kind of staying, you know, with, I-, I guess your man, like. Yeah. It's, it's, it's seems- almost as
0: simple as that. Like, yeah, it seems almost as if Reggie and Dorian, you know, they they think that their defensive ability is so good to the point where they can get beat and then recover, which I think Dorian has the length at times to do. You know, Reggie definitely can't do that. I think both of them have been really good off-ball defenders so far this year. But in terms of just man-to-man defense, I honestly think Josh Green's done a better job I, yeah. guys, than they have just to start the season. But, you know, these are micro-criticisms to an extent. I mean, Jeremy Grant is a really good player at the end of the day, and we have seen – You know, spurts of these guys still defending really well, even amidst some of their shooting struggles, particularly Reggie, um, I guess, in terms of how amplified his shooting struggles are. Um, But I think that that was definitely some cause for concern in terms of how well Jeremy Grant played in this game. And especially, you know, you go back a game, Kyle Kuzma did the exact same thing. You know, obviously these guys had really hot shooting games, both Kyle Kuzma and Jeremy Grant. But it's not really the three-point shooting that concerns me because I thought the Mavs did a fairly okay job closing out on some of those looks. It's more so just, you know, letting guys just, you know, not even like it's not like Jeremy Grant has some insane size-up combos that he's using to get to the rim like a Damian Lloyd. I mean, he's literally either just coming off a screen or just catching at the elbow, going straight downhill, and the you know body positioning is everything on those sort of plays and you know I don't know if it's just the beginning of the season thing but I'd like to see the two bang bros improve on that I think Maxi has done a fine job with that to start the season you know albeit his athleticism has looked like it's waned a little he hasn't looked as explosive in terms of his vertical leaping ability when he's contesting some of these shots I think he still stayed in front of his um, man pretty well to start the year um, but barring that the Blazers bench I thought was largely ineffective this game none of them really got too many minutes. Luca was putting Trenton Wafford to work. He was absolutely just exposing him anytime he got a post-up or was switched on to him. Uh, Jabari Walker was a really interesting guy who came in for them. He really aggressive on the boards, got two offensive rebounds for them. We didn't really see a ton of Shaden Sharp and Nas Little in this game, two really effective wings. Do you think that that's maybe, you know, we saw Eubanks play 33 minutes. Do you think that those guys maybe didn't play because uh, Chauncey Billups saw how effective that Luca and Christian Wood pick and roll was going in terms of those minutes where the Blazers were playing small ball and had strictly just their wings out there?
1: No, I mean, without a doubt, like, uh, you know, having the likes of Nazir Little and Shaden Sharp in there, like, it creates a little bit of a hinder on defense. Shaden Sharp, you know, a rookie. Uh, and you're ask it, they would have been asking him or to to be on the likes of Luca and or Christian Wood, and, and I mean it kind of seemed like whoever was on there, uh outside of Eubanks, like Eubanks was like the one guy that I think that could genuinely stop that sort of pick and roll action, but at least to an extent, yeah, yeah, to an extent, like he he was the one guy that disrupted it, I guess I could say, Um, but it seemed like it didn't really matter who they put on there; it just seemingly got to work and they did their thing. Um, and again, to your point, like, you know, Nazir little, he's had games this season where, you know, he showed glimpses of being that guy that he was supposed to be coming into the draft. Um, and same with Shane Sharp, you know, he's had some really, really incredible games. I think he's, I mean, crap, he might be younger than me, like, and he's a rookie. Uh, so really just, you know, seemingly like shutting these guys down, um, I think was really key for the Mavericks and it may have been a little hindrance just on the matchups that were kind of put on these guys. Yeah. But I, I think, out. you know,
0: what? Yeah. just was like Nurkic out. Like, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. you know, I think obviously nausea little and Shane sharp are really good wing defenders. I think, you know, just asking them to, both of those guys are younger asking them to guard up and, you know, guard the dynamic pick and roll, especially as, much as the Mavericks were going to it with Luca and Christian Roll was a big ask. And, you know, particularly in those minutes that they had to do it, they did so poorly. So, I mean, I think that the Mavericks caught a little bit bit of a break with Nurkic out because if he's out, then you have the ability to bring Eubanks off the bench. And, you know, maybe those wings get a little more minutes and they can provide some more defense on Luca and Dinwiddie at times. Um, But you take what you can get nonetheless. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, going back to what you said about Tim Hardaway, let's bounce back to him. He went three for ten from three. By no means was this some sort of godsend game for him. But he did have the highest plus minus on the night, which was really interesting to me. He was getting cooked defensively by Anthony Simons. I I know at one point Bibbs pointed out on Twitter um, that at one point, like, Tim waved off Josh to take the Anthony, Anthony Simon's assignment on defense and just got scored on like really quickly, which I thought was really funny. Um, But I mean, I thought like this was, I even tweeted as much though. Like this was one of those games that really exemplified like just how bad Tim Hardaway Jr. is as a defender. Cause you know, outside of his ability to charge uh, to draw charges, which we love. And you know, Tim is actually very instinctual about, I think that that's, you know, that definitely helps us in spurts. Um, Outside of that, though, like Tim can just not stick with his man unless the Mavericks are in a zone scheme or they're in a, you know, they're playing really switch heavy. And I think that until the Mavericks get that sort of, I don't know how to say it, more like just that uh, synchronization between their defense and that communication, like we saw at the turn of the year, that's when it happened for the Mavericks last year. But whenever the Mavericks are able to get more, like, synchronized, like I said, within their team defense, I think maybe Tim and others who have, you know, particularly struggle in terms of their perimeter defense at time on this team. Um, you know, I guess Luca at times, he's really good on defense when he's bought in, but when he's not, it's really atrocious. Like in a game like this, for instance, he was really good when he's bought in. But, yeah. you know, when the Mavericks can – uh when they're able to really start mastering their zone, when they get into that more, if that's something that comes at the turn of the year and our perimeter defense is able to sustain better by virtue of just our communication, if Jason Kidd can bring the um, intangibles that the team defense had last year, I think that will bode really well for this current rendition of this Mavericks team, because, you know, they have some good wing defenders, but they don't have any like splashing guys like personnel wise, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is like an average defensive team, right? And yeah. just their personnel, but you know, they could definitely get to that echelon of being like a top 10, top 12 defense. If we see that, you know, connected team defense and that communication that we saw last year.
1: And we've, we've seen glimpses of that in games uh, this season. It's just a consistency basis. And we, you know, there'll be some games where we see it, For instance, this game, you know, I feel like this is a pretty good game defensively at points. Yeah, Uh, I mean, the Mavericks have been getting a lot of steals
0: this year, something that's noticeable. Not really as much like on-ball steals from, you know, the only couple guys that I've really seen dig into some on-ball steals um, are Josh Green and Dorian, you know, when they're really just getting after it on that end but I've noticed the Mavericks have jumped the gun on a lot of passing lanes this year. Now it's not at a level to where they, you know, that top 10 defense that we saw last year, but Spencer Dinwiddie in particular, like he's done a really good job at playing off ball. Like in this game, for instance, he had, um, he didn't have any steals in this game, but Luca had two. like both of those guys, both particularly him and Luca. Now to an extent they've compensated for, you know, their lack of on ball defense and how easily people can blow by them on single dribble moves and size ups and things of that nature. They've compensated to an extent by, uh, you know, just reading passing lanes and using their instincts.
1: No, yeah, without a doubt. I know there's one point, I think it was in the second quarter maybe. um, And this is just kind of recovery defense, but Luca, got he got sauced up by, I think it was Anthony Simons. Yeah. No, I remember. Uh, Yeah. And then he had a like comeback. Uh, I guess a chase down block. Yeah. I was Uh, like, oh my God. And I was like, I've never seen that from Luca. Um, But yeah, like, I think that is a perfect example of like what you're talking about, where it's just like this sort of like echelon of defense where, yes, it's defense in a sense, but it's like, it's just like weird circumstances like that, if you know what I mean. No, 100%. And um,
0: let's look at the Mavericks center rotation in this game. So JaVale McGee in this game gets a DNPCD, his first one of the year, I believe, since he's been active. He's at least played a, like at the bare minimum like three minutes, even in these, you know, games that, you know, he's seemingly redundant in the rotation. And in this one, you know, especially with them really only having Eubanks out there, who, while he's not a guy who can shoot, I guess he's a little bit more mobile than JaVale. He's a little more undersized, especially in those small ball lineups. I mean, I think JaVale would have got toasted. So I think it was almost, I was almost really happy with the uh, decision that kid went with in this game to finally, you know, go away from his stubbornness to an extent and be like, okay, it is matchup dependent. We don't need JaVale out there, especially with how he's playing right now. I know. I will say time and time again, if JaVale is playing like he should, he would be, you know, a really solid play for the Mavericks from 15 to 20 minutes a game. If he was providing what this team needs, but just at this juncture, he is not Dwight Powell played 15 minutes in this game, but, you know, outside, of some stretches in that first half. And, you know, at the beginning of the third quarter, it wasn't really a big Dwight Powell game. Um, I think he did have two offensive rebounds, but he was kind of getting worked on the boards to an extent. You know, he's never been this high rebounding center or anything of that nature. And for whatever reason, I mean, I I think it was also because he started and a lot of his minutes were mirrored with Eubanks versus when Wood was in the game, he was going against these wings a little bit more. Um, but you know, for whatever reason that is, I, I thought Powell. You know, he struggled in terms of his ability to, you know, make anything happen within the pick and roll. It seemed that the late uh, the Blazers were really dropping on him and anchoring down on him. Um, they're you know like saying, okay, Luca, um, you got to make something happen from the top of the key because you know we're not giving up the easy Powell to Luca Lob. Um, versus with Christian Wood, for whatever reason, the Blazers. Um, basically you know we're like here you go so I thought that, that was really interesting but not a huge Dwight Powell game and he definitely you know particularly when the Bla- Blazers um, just some of their wings Jeremy Grant Simons and Lillard I mean they got some you know outside of Eubanks when he was in the game um, Josh Hart you know even though he didn't really score in this game the Blazers were able to you know, institute a lot of driving and kicking in this game. I thought that, you know, it was a high scoring game on both sides. And I thought particularly, you know, while the Mavericks did have some, you know, good steals in this game, I thought a lot of their defensive problems came by, you know, came virtue of these lackluster closeouts. The Mavericks just getting beat continuously on these single dribble moves, you know, jumping. Like there were a lot of driving kick possessions for the Blazers. And, you know, Josh Hart, for instance, went 0 for 2 from 3, 0 for 9 from the field in this game, 2 for 6 from the free throw line. You know, had he had a better offensive game and didn't have a complete stinker tonight, just made a few of those shots, it could have been a totally different game for the Mavericks. So there are still defensive issues that persist within this team, though obviously there were some positives. Like we've talked about, though, you know, Reggie and Dorian got to anchor down, you know, particularly Reggie, in terms of not getting beat on these single dribble Blow because that sets a domino effect for the Blazers or other teams, especially with the Blazers instance, they have basically four dynamic players. You know, even Josh Hart's a really good driver who, if they catch the ball in the wing and you don't have a good closeout or you're preemptive in your closeout and you're jumping too fast, like they'll make something happen with the ball. And I think that's a reason that the Blazers be like Jeremy Grant and, I mean, Damian Lillard didn't have the best shooting game, but he got to the free throw line 17 times. I mean, he had 17 free throws in this game. So he effectively got to the free throw line like eight or nine times, right? So I think that that was a big reason as to why the Blazers were able to put up 112 points tonight just from the Mavericks' inability to recover at times when they were getting beat. And, you know, that starts with just having a stronger forefront – um, because, you know, once you get into that basically game of catch up where the Blazers are just swinging the ball around the perimeter mercil- mercilessly, or they're just attacking the paint against uh, Dwight Powell or Christian Wood, who in this game, you know, both of those guys are not really your best rim protectors. I thought Christian Wood we will get into his offensive play later. You know, we already talked about his pick and rolls with Luka, which looked really good, but there were also some other things I liked. But, you know, both of those guys, both him and Powell are not the best rim protectors. And I think that that was really indicative uh, throughout stretches in this game where the Blazers just once they got to the rim, there was really, you know, little to no resistance. um, And they were able to finish through contact, get easy layups, things of that nature.
1: No, yeah, without a doubt. You know, I like the point that you brought up about the Blazers sort of finding a a scheme offense or like, I don't know quite scheme offense, but they found a, a rhythm. Uh, doing these like sort of driving kick fashions and whether they had to kick out more, uh, was just up to how the Mavericks were covered. Uh, but that I think it was a great tell as to why Jeremy Grant and Anthony Simons had a combined 20 free throw or 23 point attempts each, uh, or not each, uh, combined. Sorry, yeah, they had a uh, combined 20, 23, point. yeah, combined yeah. 23 point attempts. Uh, Jeremy Grant again going five of nine and Simmons going five for 11. Uh, and Simmons had a little bit of a different three point fashion, his were more you know, Tim Hardaway being on him. So he could just pretty much do whatever he wanted. Yeah. Just come um, off the
0: screen and pull up.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But with Jeremy Grant in particular, you know, it was more of these wide open corner threes where the whole defense collapses on either Damien Lillard or Simons or even Josh Hart for that matter. Um, And that, that, I think that was really a big tell as to why Jeremy Grant had 37 points. He also had a really, really, really good shooting night. Um, But Without a doubt, like I, 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 you know, again, how can the Mavericks be better on that? And that's just team communication. That's team defense. Uh, something that we've been, or we like, literally mentioned on this podcast. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that's kind of a, a big tell as to why. You know, there was three guys in this game where they had twenty plus figures. No,
0: exactly. Like the Blazers, that's something that the Blazers have but the Mavericks don't. You know, in terms of three guys who can fill it up on offense by themselves. Um, we're not going to get into that too heavily as we've, you know, I trouched in that solo pod and you did and the pod we did together about the Mavericks personnel struggles in regards to how much this team misses another ball handler. But, you know, when you watch some of these other teams across the league, it's, it's really indicative sometimes saying how, you know, just having three guys on your team, even if one of them comes off the bench can just do wonders in terms of, your ability to not be stalled out on offense, not have those offensive creation woes. Um, so I kind of want to kind of, I guess, just segue to the fourth quarter here. Um, if we're going to, I guess, highlight Luca's game a little bit more, because I mean, he had a 42 point triple double. Like that's not, you know, your every day at the office, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. You know, we talked about his ability in terms of post moves and um, just getting to the free throw line. Uh, from there. But I mean, he did a, I think he, particularly in this game, contrary to the two previous games where he looked burnt out, Luca went one for five on threes in this game. He had 39 points from non threes. So it's not like he was shooting the ball well. So that's what impressed me the most about this game from him. He, you know, just particularly from attacking from the wing, the Blazers, you know, they weren't really doubling or trapping him too often they kind of stuck within their zone or if they were playing man he was just torturing whoever was on him even if it be you know some of the one of the blazers best wing defenders and jeremy grant luca was getting to the basket at will i mean he was just using his typical assortment of moves you know euro steps the mavericks ran a few actions like for him in terms of these post-ups where somebody would set a down screen and you know he'd come off and you know get to the elbow and that would open up some space for him to go one-on-one on a mismatch. And, you know, he got some switches on assignments where he was able to just take advantage. But Luca, 15 for 18 on free throws in this game. Yes. That's a sight for sore eyes. Um, you know, he hasn't really sh- struggled too heavily from the free throw line this year, but particularly in those Washington-Orlando games, he had some rough spurts from free- the free throw line. To- so to see that is huge. Like, we, like I said, you know, I thought he did a great job. This is one of those games where he stepped up to the plate defensively, used his body very well. You know, Lucas never going to be a guy that can just stick a guy one-on-one with his lateral quickness and his length or anything like that. But he used his body really well, and he used his defensive intangibles in terms of um, manipulating, um, you know, passes in the half-court setting to where he was able to pick them off there were a lot of positives from him just in terms of his all around game this year. I mean, this was an MVP type of performance from him. I, the way he was able to get into the lane in this game was, you know, really unprecedented. Like you, you don't see many guys in the NBA be able to do this barring Giannis now, you know, give it, give or take the trailblazers. Like I said, we're lacking rim protection in this game. And I think that's a big reason as to why Luca was able to feast so easily Um, But, I mean, 10 assists in this game, especially in that fourth quarter, Luca did a great job starting the – you know, that kickout process. He was able to – once I saw the – I think the Blazers started bringing a lot more late traps, particularly in that fourth quarter because Luca had 30-plus going into the fourth. So, you know, they're really trying to anchor down and try to stop him. But he did a great job of just finding those pockets on the wings and in the corners – there were a lot of cross court passes from him in this game. It just looked like he had a much more clear eye view of the court in these in this game versus the last two games. And I mean, I think to an extent it comes down to just general, you know, physical tiredness. I talked a lot about Luca's stamina in the last game, you know, he's like 52nd in distance traveled. So it's not really as much a conditioning thing as is. I just think the sheer physicality that he takes and the punishment he takes um when he's going down downhill sometimes he had a couple technicals in this game um or no he had one technical and then he had a couple close ones where he was kind of getting beat up at the rim sometimes but with the lack of you know a really solid rim protector out there um I think that's honestly a big reason as to why he was able to just get to the paint so easily and sure he may have got frustrated on some calls and we obviously want to see Luca get better at that. You know, that's a, always going to be a narrative narrative that persists in terms of him not whining to the refs as much. But nonetheless, I mean, it was just a total masterclass and just completely um, the opposite from what we saw in those two games versus Washington, and Orlando. What did you have to take away from Luca's game? I mean, I just I, this was one of those games that he just got to the rim at will. It wasn't even a lot of mid range jump shots in this one.
1: Yeah, no, I think one thing that kind of is eye-popping in a sense, whenever you brought up the fact that Luka Doncic had 42 points and 39 of those came in fashion by non-three-pointers, uh, like, that's that's crazy. And I think it's really indicative of his season because I think there's an argument to be made here. Uh, you know, Luka's three-point shot clearly has been off to start the season. I think there's an argument. you probably say Reggie and Dor- and Luka are probably, like, the two worst three-point shooters on this team right now. Um but with that given, you know, Luca's just sheer will to get inside the paint and get whatever he wants is just so crazy. And, you know, the fact that he's improved so dramatic. Like, and I think I think it's safe to say he's made a huge improvement on this free throw shooting. You know, going 15 of 18 from the line, I don't think we would ever see that in his previous four years in the league. Um, and finding a way to, you know, use I, I, like, and I don't even know what it is. Like it's just knowledge now he's using the back or using the um out of balance to your advantage getting inside these sort of holes finding these pockets for your uh other guys to make a shot like just sort of like this all-around offensive game and he hasn't even like vitalized the three-point shot like Luca has found a way to master and, and I think it's really indicative of this game uh like he's just found a way to master everything inside the three-point line and um I don't want to because I think it's more of like a Giannis type thing where if he learns to shoot the three, it's nothing like that. Um, but I, I think it's just crazy that the fact that this guy scored 39 points, 15 of which coming from the free throw line. Um, like that, I think it's just crazy to Lucas' season. Uh, I don't know exactly what he's shooting from three this season. I want to say it's lower than like 32%. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's insane as to what he's able to do. Uh, and it's seemingly he's doing this night in and night out minus, I think, the Orlando and Washington game. Yeah, I mean, every 10 games um, or so, he's going to bear some. Yeah, some exactly. And that's just, him. yeah. Because, with I mean, the usage rate, personnel wise, just because of that. Yeah. Like you there's so, there's so many different arguments you can make as to why, you know, he's he's taking a huge load on and he's like, I mean, I, I don't get how this guy gets up from half the hits he takes because he is getting beat up inside that paint uh like every night. And the fact that he's getting up and I, I, you know, I think that last year two years ago, whatever it may be, like we would see Luca grimace a little more. Like it kind of seems like Luca's just kind of put that behind him. I mean, again, we're still seeing that side of Luca, but it, it, we're just seeing a more tougher Luca uh, and he's just getting inside the paint. He's getting whatever he wants. Uh, and it doesn't seem like anybody is really can stop him. It's just, it's fun to watch. Um Because this really is MVP basketball at the end of the day.
0: No, 100%. I uh, definitely concur with you. I think that there's nobody in the NBA besides Luka Doncic that can manipulate a defense within the half court as good as he does. You look at all these other stars across the league, like I just think he's honestly the best scorer in the half court. I, I think that that's irrefutable. I mean, this is a guy who almost doesn't really get almost any transition points whatsoever within a given game um, I mean sure every once in a while like there was a play where Christian would save the ball or no, it was either Josh Green or Christian would save the ball out of bounds you got a transition layup, but I mean he's not getting a ton of those every game uh, like a lot of Lucas points are just virtue him just being a mastermind on the offensive end which is really special and you know we have somebody like this of course so you know I think that we have a tendency to kind of gloss over Luca because he's so great all the time but Particularly in this performance, I really just wanted to highlight how good he was last night. Um, looking at some of the other guys, you know, we talked a little bit about Tim Hardaway Jr. He, he had some good um, – three of his baskets came, you know, via getting to the rim in this one or um, getting to that little um, right under the elbow area where he came – I think there was one time where he pulled up for a little bank shot. I um, – you know, there's some narratives out there um, that are kind of going around regarding Tim – Tim is back and all this, you know, I don't want to jump the gun too heavily. We haven't seen enough consistent play from him, but he had a solid game in this one, Um, you know, three turnovers. And I mean, his plus minus was really good in this game, but, you know, individual plus minus is from like, you know, just one game in particular is not something I'm going to take a ton of credence from. Um, But regardless, I thought he did a good, you know, three of 10 from three is like, "Eh, okay, that's decent. But, you know, he did a good job mixing it up in terms of actually getting to the basket and you know, finding driving lanes. Tim does have a unique way to sort of find these driving lanes. Um, And, you know, knowing when to shoot three. So it wasn't, you know, a total abomination like we had seen in a couple of the previous games. So I'm glad to see that. You know, he's a guy who, regardless if he's on the Mavericks or if we're going to be trading him at some point, you know, you want to see him play good. That's only going to be a benefit. So good to see that there. Um, In terms of Josh Green, you know, another game, I think this may be the second game in a row where he's not shooting just completely lights out. He's bearing a little bit of um, negative regression in terms of that, but, you know, one for four from three, but he still played like he has been in terms of the positive aspects that he's carried over from this last week or so. You know, I'm not asking Josh green to be a 39% three point shooter, you know, obviously he was red hot to start the year, but, if he can just up his number to about 35 and just steadily increase every year, that's completely fine with me. And that's all we can ask about him or ask from him. You know, there are, obviously I talked about this in the Mavs post game space, shout out to them. If any of y'all from uh, the Mavs post game space last night are listening. Um, But I thought some cool things in terms of Josh Green's, you know, future is just in terms of what he has yet to unlock. Like, once Josh green, you know, evolves into make just a, at least like a tertiary playmaker, a guy who can initiate offense. If you really need him to, you know, he brought the ball up a couple times in this game in the fourth quarter, but he deferred to Luca pretty quickly, but, you know, could we see some Josh green pick and rolls at some point in his career? I'm not asking him to even be ever on like a Spencer Dinwiddie level or, you know, be a, on a Jalen Brunson level, we'll ever get to really that secondary playmaker level, but just for him to be able to initiate offense from time to time when the Mavericks get stuck, just, you know, use, cause he is really quick and he has a good handle. It's just more so the confidence when it comes there. And, you know, on top of that, you know, being able to be a steady three-point shooter, that's going to come with time, you know, just his general assertiveness. I think that there's some things that he has to unlock there um, because intangibles wise, I mean, he's a really good cutter, He had a lot of really good cross court passes in this game, as we see from him. I'd be interested to see how the Mavericks can use him and Luca in the short roll more, because I believe it was the Nets game where they used Josh Green and Luca in the pick and roll scenarios. And I think Josh Green's ability to pass in the short roll, you know, something that we talked about with Christian Wood in those first couple games, which you haven't really seen as much recently, is really interesting. Because I mean, he is one of the best playmakers on this team. Um, Josh Green that is to an extent so you know once he's able to develop that he's going to be really special and we'll we'll continue to hammer that because you know his defense tonight on Lillard and Simons was really good he was the only guy like who had the lateral quickness even more so than Reggie to be able to stay with those guys consistently and even when he got matched up on the bigger guys like Jeremy Grant he was able to force him into some tough shots I thought he had a really good 24 minutes and you know if Reggie continues to play like this the narrative that Josh Green should play over him is only going to continue to persist and you know as Josh Green he may have you know some games where he's not as there on offense you know like in terms of there may be a couple clunkers and where he's not shooting the best but he he has some interesting dynamic abilities that I think you know are going to continue to develop with time obviously he had a really good summer so Really liked this game from him, uh, despite him not making some sort of splashy impact like in that Nets game. I thought, you know, this is showing that he is a consistent player within this rotation. He's still providing something even when he's not shooting it well. So there's that. Um, let's get into um, – I know we talked about Christian Wood in terms of the, uh, you know, those first quarter points and early second quarter points where he was feasting within the pick and roll. Um, what did you see from him? You know, obviously I think – there's going to be games, especially with Christian wood. He doesn't have a really solid, like lower base. I think after having watched him like 10 to 12 games now, I think that's where a lot of his defensive problems lie is in the fact that he's not as strong as some of these other guys. I think that's what one of my observations has been. Um, Cause you know, he has the athleticism to hang with a lot of these guys. I mean, even some of the perimeter guys, as we mentioned, and we honestly think he's better guarding threes and fours, but You know, I think where I was able to see his defensive lapses really in this game were just defending the rim when somebody gets attacking downhill on him. You know, he doesn't have that vertical strength that a Maxi has, for instance, to just be able to go straight up and maintain his balance. Um, So what did you think of, you know, his game on offense? And I think obviously that's a reason for him fouling out in this game. He fouled out in the fourth quarter. He could have possibly closed the game in this one the way he was playing what he unfortunately fouled out in the, in the fourth quarter um, around, I think, like the uh, – it was between, like, the four and, like, seven-minute yes. mark around there. Um, but, yeah, you know, obviously I think he has to overcompensate by, you know, trying to foul sometimes when he's kind of getting bodied up. So, But regardless of that, um, what did you think of that? And then what did you think of his offensive game tonight?
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to touch the offensive spot here because I, I feel like I'm most knowledgeable with that part. Um, you know, offensively, it, it was a different aspect of Christian Wood. We didn't really get to see a whole lot of three pointers. He put up five three pointers, only made one of them. But he wasn't. But yeah, this was one of the first games where he wasn't having an insane shooting night. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and he he got it done via like Luca. Honestly, like the main baskets that I really saw was assists off Luca or driving into the paint, getting some and ones here and there. Like it was just kind of fashion like that, you know. He's he was getting work done down low, um, and like, I, yeah, again, like you had mentioned, like this is just a different form of scoring that we haven't seen from Christian Wood, you know. We're used we're used to the Christian Wood where he's shooting two of three from three or whatever it is. Uh, this night, you know, he just couldn't done get it done from three, and I I don't I don't think it's even like and like a nominally to say that this is like we should be getting this. I, I think we should be getting this like every other game. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of Christian Wood and Luka Doncic minutes. And I think that this is like really indicative of what we could see uh, coming forward. I hope that, you know, which availed seemingly maybe out of the rotation now uh, that we might get some more Christian Wood and Luka Doncic minutes. Um, but yeah, I, I think offensively, like we just saw a different kind of form uh, or a different fashion of scoring from Christian Wood. And I, I, I liked it. No, uh, yeah. now defensively, uh, I I, w- I guess I'll say, like, it's honestly, we're, we're kind of lucky Nurkic didn't play because I feel like Nurkic uh, would have just bodied him even more than anybody already did. Uh, but what you, you know, bringing up a good point about strength, um, yeah, I, I think that that is like really the main concern. Or if you have a main concern, that would be your main concern uh, from Christian Wood. You know, I don't think he had a horrible defensive night. Again, I mean, he fell out with, I think it was like five minutes left or four minutes left, something like that. Um, and I mean, again, like I didn't, I, I, like, I'm trying to say, like, I didn't get to see all of these minutes. Um, but yeah, you know, I think, I think he didn't have a terrible defense tonight, but had Nurkic been in there, it, it may have been a little different. Uh, but yeah, he you not know, that, a lot sooner. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think without a doubt he would have. Uh, yeah. but yeah, if there's one trend defensively that has kind of hindered, uh, Christian Wood throughout the season has been his strength. I think that is, like, the real outlier that we've seen from him.
0: No, 100%. That was a great point you made there. Um. So, yeah, but I thought, nonetheless, like, I thought he did a good job taking advantage of those mis- mismatches when he was switched on to wings um, on Portland in those minutes, and that some of those non-Luca minutes. He didn't have a ton of non-Luca minutes, but, you know, the argument for him starting, especially with JaVale, you know, maybe not playing as much is only going to increase – and I do like the Christian Wood Maxi lineups together. The Christian Wood pal lineups kind of seem counterintuitive from the perspective that, you know, you basically have two guys to um able to roll with Luca, but it kind of it, to an extent it kind of negates the possibilities you have with Christian Wood out there. You essentially just make him a spot up shooter at that point. So I yeah. kind of want to see the Mavericks stray a little more away from that because I saw they played that a little bit, but Christian Wood Maxi together is. Really interesting, but I think the narrative is only going to amplify in terms of that Christian Wood should be starting if JaVale is not getting if JaVale is not even spot spot starting anymore Then, you know, I think Dwight can still be a serviceable big off the bench. But that's for another podcast. We'll get more into that. (laughs) uh, The whole starting lineup thing, you know, maybe in one of our um, mainstream minutes that we're going to be doing um, or matinee mainstreams before some of these games, we'll get into those a little more. Um, but that's definitely something to monitor going forward. Um, Lastly, before we end the podcast, I just want to get into Spencer Dinwiddie. Nothing like too out of character from him in this game in terms of, you know, like in the Washington game, for instance, in his revenge game where he was just getting to the rim at will. Um, He really wasn't driving like too much in this game, but I thought he actually looked not half bad passing the ball tonight. Um, Only two turnovers, six assists for him. Like, And he, he found maxi on that seal off. Like he had some good passes in this game. He looked, he looks like he's getting more comfortable within the Mavericks system. You know, he's not, um, the greatest passer on this roster. Like I, heck, I even think talent wise, like Josh green is a better passer than him technically, but he seems like he's using his ability to, you know, manipulate pick and rolls and find gaps within the offense in terms of like swing passes. Um, to find shooters on the wing in the corner, it's starting to look a lot better. And I think that that's, that'll give him a steady five to six assisted a game. So that's looked better. Um, But besides that, he wasn't really exploiting too many driving lanes. I mean, he didn't even have any free throws attempted in this game. Nobody in the starting lineup day, except for Luca, which is kind of crazy. Um, But I mean, just went bonkers from three in those last couple of minutes, you know, a lot of it virtue, you know, those Luca driving kicks to, you know, basically, uh, catalyze those possessions but I mean three threes in a row to close the game you know effectively basically carrying the Mavericks to a victory if he doesn't hit those who knows what happens in this game um do you have anything that you really want to take from this and just his hot start to the year from shooting wise in general is it something that's going to be able to persist
1: no I and you know I think getting off to a hot start shooting I think that is something that could probably stick throughout the season um I, I want to speak like in particular to that like maxi uh, like slip or whatever you call it um or he just kind of like broke the defense and sort of found the pockets um I think that is really indicative of like Spencer's passing and how much it's progressed uh but I, I I really think like you know shooting wise I think it's I think it's going to stick and I think passing wise it's only going to improve no 100 percent. um I mean he's never going to be like
0: that you know, distinguished passing playmaker that the Mavericks like sorely need. You know, I think that there's still maybe a wing or a guard out there that can help a little bit more on that side of things. Um, But like, you know, for him to get a steady five to six, five to six uh, assists a game, I think he's kind of dispelling the narrative that he's just this um, shot creator and he's just this guy who's only going to be able to provide offense from a scoring perspective um, Cause I had kind of had that preconceived notion when the season started, but he's, he's shown some things these last couple of games. I got to backtrack on what I said to an extent I'll give him some credit there. Yeah, um, but exactly. you know, with that being said, um, the Mavericks play the Clippers on Tuesday, that'll be an interesting one to see if Kawhi Leonard plays uh, get two days off in between games, which is nice. Get a little rest for the, the boys, you know, especially since we think Luca might rest on that second night of a back to back versus Houston on Wednesday. Um, So that'll be an interesting game. We'll have more. We'll probably do a mainstream matinee episode before that game on Tuesday. Um, But, you know, take tomorrow off. Um, So that'll be an interesting game, especially if Kawhi plays. But I don't know if he has. He's only played two games this year. But that's Clippers 7 and 6. You know, if they are fully healthy, they're really good. But the question is if they're fully healthy. They're not a regular season team because of that. So that'll be really interesting to see. But barring that, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow us at Mainstream underscore Mavs on Twitter. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And we will see you guys in the next one.
1: Bye-bye.